Robin Hood is like straight up murdering people. Oh yeah. In this movie, and he's not a good person that we're supposed to, he, we're supposed to like him, but he's just straight up doing murders all over the place. Yeah. Like he's firing arrows and crossbows and doing a murder left and right. Yet he's supposed to be liberating people. I, I yeah, I don't know. There's a there this is a movie. lot of, there's a lot of murdering people in it. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, with your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What? <laughs> that was the most guttural, good job, I mean, that was very authentic. I... There's there's a lot of phlegm in my voice today. Yes. <laughs> I'm I, not feeling well. Right, and I'm, I'm just... I wasn't sick, but I'm I'm getting past having really having lost my voice. So if we sound really different uh, this time, we can't blame Engineer Mike. It's it's our own no, fragile this is, bodies. This is yes, this is mortality taking its toll on me. Uh, no, this is this is the second podcast where I've been sick. You know that? I did not know that. Which which was the other yeah. one you were sick for? The pilot. The pilot. You could hear it in, if you go back and listen, My, you can hear it in my snugglepuss laugh. You really you, you really did a good job of hiding it, so. I did. I was so afraid when we recorded that pilot that you could, that I was going to start coughing whenever I, I laughed. I guess I was there, and so I guess I knew that you were sick, now yeah. that I think about it, and I, I, yeah. I totally had forgotten it. And I, yeah. I didn't remember it being noticeable, so probably more noticeable to you but, than anyone else. Oh, well, it, was, it definitely was, but this time I blame... This second movie for Movember on my sickness. <laughs> yes. This, this movie just, you know, it, it caused a buildup of, of uh, mucus in my sinuses. And I just, I haven't been able to stop sneezing or coughing ever since. So what movie do you have for us today, Nina? What did you inflict on me? This, this is Robin Hood 2018. Don't get it confused with the other Robin Hood that was released in 2018, apparently, that I didn't know about that you accidentally watched. Yes, I watched the wrong Robin Hood to begin with, and uh, it was lower budget than I expected, and I thought, that's not great, but, you know, <laughs> I... And then I discovered I'd made a, I'd made a terrible mistake. <laughs> this movie, it stars Taron Edgerton who played Eggsy in Kingsman and Kingsman to the golden compass or the golden circle. Or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know what the sec, I don't remember what the second one was called. I, and I will uh, say, I will say this for him. He and, and Tom Cruise are currently vying for shortest action hero. And as a short man myself, yes. I approve of this. <laughs> And it also stars Jamie Foxx of The Jamie Foxx Show. So, <laughs> was he on that show? He wasn't. If you are too young to know that reference, then God, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I really am getting old. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of 90s references in this podcast today. So I, I do hope that our, our audience doesn't skew too young millennial. You know, I'm thinking if people are are the the thing that people really want to hear out of a podcast called Pop Medieval is 90s references. I I you know, nine, I, nine 90s references, not 1990s references though. Oh, ye Jamie Fox of <laughs> of Fox Hill. That's who I'm referring to. We're watching or we watched Robin Hood 2018 and if if you were me, you saw it both in theaters 
and you saw it um, in shock at just how bad this movie was. And wait, 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 wait. back up. I did not know until this moment that you and an engineer Mike saw this in a theater. We did. We we saw this in theaters. We tried to get you to go see it in theaters too. In fact, as soon as we got out of theaters, we texted you and said, "What did (laughs) What did I ever do to you?" That's what I want to know. (laughs) Oh, let me count the ways. We came out of the theater and we said we need to get Noakes to see this movie, and you never did. You waited until. It was on HBO now, and you saw this. But uh, this is indeed a movie rife for um, Movember. Yes. So that's why we're picking it for our second Movember movie. Yeah. But, but again. So I did finally watch it. And, and now you've watched it twice, and I watched the other Robin Hood as well. So I am very Robin Hood. I'm all Robin case. Hood up. I think this Robin Hood, I think the one that we're doing was worse, but more ambitious. Okay. Uh, the other one was lower budget, and so it, it wasn't trying to be – it wasn't kind of trying to do as much interesting stuff as this one was. Uh, so uh, if you really want more Robin Hood, you know, it, it's okay. It's, it's, it's a big old okay from me. Yeah. Well, this movie had a car chase scene, and by car I actually mean cart. Yes. And this movie also had a – I don't know, a a scene set in not Fallujah where <laughs> member <laughs> members of the Crusades were walking around with their bows and arrows knocked and pulled, ready to fire, much like rifles on um, <laughs> Moors and, and uh, Arabic people. And I, I just... By then, and, and this is like, what, five, six minutes into the entire film. Yes. By then I thought, oh, that's that's what this kind of movie is. Right. So. And and like, and I think Engineer Mike would agree with me on this, uh, having heard some things he said. Like, the first ten minutes of this movie are crazy stupid. Yeah. Like, they have, like, Gatlin gun-style crossbows, and, like, they're able to call in airstrikes, and... All There's sorts a machine of, gun arrow shooting machine. Yes. It's And I I thought, like you, I was like, oh, that's the kind of movie this is gonna be. And so then I was like, well then I'm all in. Yeah. Uh because you commit, you gotta commit to this yes, movie. Yes, because I'm like, well then, if that's the movie this is gonna be, I, I this is what I've been this, this is I don't know if this is what I've been waiting for, but I'm in for it. Yes. Uh, but then after that, it got very ponderous and very serious. And there's a lot of stroking of chins and considering <laughs> important social issues. And I, I thought the movie was at its best when <laughs> when they had machine gun style uh, crossbows and whatnot. So and other uh, yeah. and other historical absurdities. Yeah, this this movie did not try to be historically accurate and which is hard, to, which is hard to say because this is a Robin Hood myth. Right, you know, there Robin Hood is a myth, um, it, not a real person, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So you can literally do whatever you want with Robin Hood the story, and it, it chooses its own path here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. There's no. So when you're thinking about someone like King Arthur, King Arthur, we know the myths are pretty old, and we can find all sorts of elements of it. But we usually, the first guy to really pull them together, not even as a, as part of a larger narrative is Geoffrey of Monmouth and History of the Kings of England. We don't have any such thing for Robin Hood. And so there isn't like one thing you can point to. I, I, like there's a reference to Robin Hood and Piers Plowman. I, that might be the earliest reference, but uh, mm-hmm. if there are scholars who are listening to this, they can 
they can correct me by 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 tweeting the UN Secretary General. Let him know that I made an error. Uh, but I. I <laughs> But if, if it comes before that, it can't be much more before that. And then a lot of other things we have about Robin Hood aren't, are like parts of songs and ballads and things. Uh, mm-hmm. So Robin Hood's pretty flexible. He's really yeah. flexible. There's a lot of stuff you can do. So aside from him being not a historical personage, you just have so much different stuff to choose from that there, there's no nothing you can really point to in, in, in any way and go, this is the official uh, Robin Hood. Right. This is canon versus this is non-Robin Hood canon. Right. Everything in Robin Hood is non-canon. Therefore, it's all canon. Exactly. Yeah. But let's get into it. Let's let's discuss what what I wanted to talk about with this movie. Like, number one, Mm. this and I will argue this, that this is not a, a a strict adaptation of Robin Hood because one, like we discussed, this is Robin Hood is a myth. Mm. Uh, There's no strict time period that Robin Hood comes from, from what I understand. No, and there's well, a, there's a line at the beginning of this where Friar Tuck is vaguely narrating it, and he says he's not going to tell us the year. Yeah, it, so it, it has to be right around the time of the Crusades. But my argument here is that this is a modern retelling. This is as yes. close to a modern retelling uh, of Robin Hood that as, as we're going to get. Oh yeah, so yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This is very, this yeah. is very much, this is very much a a heavy-handed political commentary, yeah. although it's kind of inconsistent, but it's a heavy-handed political commentary on what, what was happening within five years of the shooting of the film. Uh, I think. Right. Yeah. And there's, and, and I don't, I think you're right. At no point do they go like, we're going to make this uh, as authentic as possible. This is not the real Robin hood. This. Oh, you know, not at right. all. No, no. And not going you can, no, I mean, and you can in, right offhand. I mean, the, borrowed if not appropriated imagery of today yeah when it starts off with robin hood or you know lord of loxley manor mm-hmm. walking around with his quote rifle yeah and and they mention it's in cabrit peninsula arabia which i looked this up that place does not exist mm-hmm. um not Fluza, well it, as but I've been it, it, it used to exist but it got destroyed completely completely obliterated when they called in an airstrike from catapults <laughs> or from chamber <laughs> And thus, they eliminated it from the globe. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's scenes like that, or it's scenes of the the peasants marching with their faces covered, mm-hmm. uh, set to draw, you know, uh, set to remind the audience of, you know, Occupy Wall Street or the WTO protests of right. 1999, stuff like that. It, it These aren't, these scenes aren't necessarily to move the plot forward. No. In this, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's plot adjacent. It's, yes. It's, it's Yeah. But uh, it's more to incite a reaction in the audience watching. Now, for me, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I laughed hysterically at, at some of the scenes, especially that, that not Fallujah scene, I keep referring to it. Yeah. Toward the end there where the writers and the movie makers, the directors were, um, or the director, uh, they were clearly trying to make a political statement. Yeah. Mostly to, mostly through getting a reaction from their audience. I, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I, I didn't see, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't offensive to me because it was just so dumb. Yeah. That, that was, that was the same t- for me. Like I, I was, so Robin Hood as, as a figure, because he's got both the rob from the rich and give from the poor, or sorry, rob from the rich to give to the poor. And right. the reason the poor are impoverished is because of taxes. He's really malleable in terms of political message. And so yeah. there have been other ones who've dealt with 
some political messages. And you can even be, I guess, heavy handed in some ways, though, the more heavy handed, the more ponderous it becomes. But I, I felt like in this case, you do have a few scenes like the first one, like the opening scenes not the, or the, the not Fallujah scene uh, that are just fun. But I felt like throughout it that like the set designers and the costumers were all they looked at this movie and they were like, this is going to be crazy nonsense. We are going to go all out. And yeah. so anything that was like really where the where the costume design was important or the sets were important, it was crazy fun. There's a scene that's straight up like there's a an orgy that church officials are having that's straight up Hunger Games style looking stuff. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. That was that And that that stuff I thought was fun. But then like yeah. the 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 actors seem to think, no, this is serious. This is serious mm-hmm. business. And so it never like, it was never fun enough. And it was also never making a, co- a coherent enough political point. So it didn't do either one well, uh, unfortunately. And of the two, it was so preachy, uh, although inconsistently and stupidly preachy. Uh, it was so preachy that I just wanted, if I had to choose between the two, it would definitely just be the 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 uh, the fun the fun stuff. Yeah, have you know have a bunch of sex, but right. yes, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, when it comes to the theme of this movie, mm-hmm. like, okay, the, the themes of working outside of the system versus you're working against the system or wor- working with the system to bring it down versus just attacking it. Right. Um, so you've got that character of Will, mm-hmm. who's, you Will know, Scarlet. Christian Grey. Right. Yeah. Will Scarlet or, or uh, Jamie Dornan, mm-hmm. the, you know. Um, Christian Grey. He's the character who believes, no, we can we can work with the sheriff of Nottingham if we we build his trust, and you know we can take the system down if we work with him. Versus what Marion thinks, and what again, Robin as Robin the Hood mm-hmm. believes. No, we we have to we have to attack this system. And but here's the thing: is that what it, Robin as Robin of Loxley. Mm-hmm. is doing is the exact same thing as what Will is doing. Well, this is what, so at some point I, I think I said this off mic, but I called this medieval Batman. Like at some yeah. point Robin Hood's supposed to be medieval Batman in this. I really thought that the character who Will was, that, that Will was actually not supposed to be connected to the character from previous Robin Hood movies, but he was supposed to be Two-Face. Yes. Two, yeah. in front, I'm sorry, two, not Two-Faced. Well, he's that too, but Two-Faced from, yeah. from Batman. Harvey Two-Faced, right. yeah. Harvey the, Dent. Right, Harvey Dent, right. The, the, the insider who, by the end, it seems clear, he's actually power hungry to the point that by the end, he literally, just like Harvey Dent has got half of his face disfigured, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then becomes the new sheriff of Nottingham, which right. that's not quite how that hierarchy works, but okay. Well, the hierarchy never made like the, the political hierarchy is like the, the church is like Bishop is wait, it's the archbishop. Somebody is dealing directly with the sheriff of Nottingham. The the cardinal, yeah. yeah. And there's, I think, in the whole movie, there's one reference to the king. There's no reference to Prince John. There is no royalty. It's everything, apparently, all of England is a dictatorship run by the sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, this sort of bizarre I, structure. Yeah, I didn't understand the... 
I didn't understand. I, I understood his motivation, but I didn't understand how the sheriff of Nottingham was going to execute his plan. I actually did. I actually didn't really. The king yeah. By funding the um, the war the crusade, effort, right? The crusade. Yeah. Okay. You know, we're yeah. we're talking way too much about the movie and that, not the themes. That but. didn't make it didn't make any sense. And then yeah. on t- not only, but it also didn't make. I think thematically it was supposed to be this idea that the like if there's any like. Whereas, whereas most Robin Hood movies thematically are either about oppressive government and the need to to um, the need to fight back against oppressive government, or mm-hmm. about an oppressive oligarchy or or kleptocracy. Actually, yeah. kleptocracy wouldn't be right because Robin Hood is a klepto plebe. I don't know what you call him. Uh, <laughs> <Klepto> <laughs> right, uh, or something. Um, if that's not a new. If that's not a word, yeah. it is but new. like this sort of. Need to fight against the oligarchy and redistribute the wealth. So this kind of, this one was all about like, nope, it's all about the church. That war is funded by the church. It still is not clear to me why the church wanted the war exactly. Because it didn't really seem to be about taking the Holy Land in this movie. It seemed to be more about like taking over England by taking over Arabia. Right. Yeah. Or something. I, I guess that didn't make sense. But the idea was the church is inherently corrupted by engineer Mike chimed in. They want to take control of England. Again, the why? church is corrupted. The, the church is no one believes this stuff. There's there's a couple speeches about fear, about how all of religion is just about creating fear in people. Uh, apparently, actually, by the end of the movie, it seems clear that no one bad guy or good guy believes any of this religion stuff. Right. It's yeah. it's all just a. Maybe an, uh, a propaganda tool or ideological framework or something. Yeah. Um, so even the good guys who are supposed to be, who, who have religious office, it turns out are like, eh, I didn't really believe all that stuff anyway. Uh, <laughs> Just a tool to get what you want in the end. Yeah. And so it seems like, which is weird because as you point out, there's all this occupy, all this sort of occupy uh, imagery. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like, like you could draw, you could draw a line between the Occupy movement and religious institutions, but that's a long line you have to draw. I mean, there's a lot more, like there's a lot closer lines, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, you really have to conspiracy theory it up to go like, you know, the reason that we had a banking collapse uh, yeah. was because of. Falling the brothers. Catholic Church? Like, I, 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 got, I got, like... <laughs> I suppose the, you could you draw to, that line, but it, it wouldn't be yes. this movie that would be... No, yeah. it would be a very it, long line do, to get from yeah. one to the next, right? Yeah, and this movie would have no business doing that. This, this seems to be more like, we want to burn the village down, let's put all the people together who we don't like in the same village. That's kind of what the movie's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll come up with some plan some plan so the themes i think this is another problem with it is like even if the themes are so heavy-handed they don't make a lot of sense like i don't know what political action i'm supposed to be moved to by this movie well see you get to a really good point and that's this is my final point is there can be no modern equivalent of robin hood today you can't make a a, a very you can't make an equivalent uh single robin hood figure mm-hmm. um screen adaptation uh this day and age um either because there couldn't be there's no single robin hood figure mm-hmm. in 
in the world. Uh, just like there's no single equivalent of the sheriff of Nottingham. There's mm-hmm. no single person that represents greed and corruption. It's th- these are institutions now. Yeah. It's there's yeah. no single person. There's no single sheriff of Nottingham. Like I keep saying. Well, they do. They do. They do try to get F. Murray Abraham to be a represent a representative of the church and the idea that the church right. is this. And so I guess you could do something where, like, I, I guess arguably when you have someone who's represents the crown, like the king represents yeah. the crown and, the, or, you know, that you could make it work in that this person represents the institution, I suppose. But this, you, but as you, you said, this is not the movie that does that for sure. No. Definitely not. But again, these aren't, if you were to make a, a modern day 2019 Robin Hood movie. Oh, you mean set, would, set in 2019? Yeah, you I can't see. make, yeah, you, there is no single Robin Hood figure. There is no single Sheriff of Nottingham and there is no single church, really. There's no single crown. There's no single kingdom to take down. There are institutions. There are bodies of people to take down. Um, and it wouldn't be a single person to take down any of these institutions. There might be groups of people. There might be um, larger groups of people. And and again, of these pe- people, they're not going to just take down people and then give to the poor. Who are the poor? Right. And also, are they going to give to the poor or are they going to give to themselves? There's a there's a mistrust there. And so it, it's, it's not going to fly. This kind of... Robin Hood story is only makes sense if it's set in a Robin Hood setting. Yeah, we if if you can separate it out enough, then the themes yeah. come out, which then those themes can get you to this point of political action, I guess, yeah. whatever point of political action you want. I do think, you know, I, while you were talking, I, I, I do think there's actually room. I'd love to see a uh, with a with a with a definite story arc, uh, you know, a prestige TV <laughs> uh, multi-season but not open-ended uh, Robin Hood story that deal that instead of being straight up Robin Hood's the good guy and uh, Sheriff Nottingham's the bad guy dealing with some of the complications so for example one complicated element which definitely is not in this movie is taxes certainly went up under King John right that was mm-hmm. a thing or Prince John everybody was unhappy about it. That seems to have given rise to this. Well, why was Prince John taxing everyone? Was it to fund the war? No, it's because Richard got himself captured and he had to be ransomed. And mm-hmm. ransoming a king costs a lot of money. And so then, of course, Richard comes back and they no longer have to pay taxes. And everybody's like, well, now taxes went down Richard, because Richard's back. And instead of, instead of people realizing, no, Richard's the cause of the whole, Richard's the reason it all happened. He gets to be the savior. As soon as Richard leaves on on this crusade, suddenly Prince John comes in and starts taxing us. Richard came back and he put things right. And so yeah. I think you could actually do something which is pretty complicated where everyone is doing legitimately what they think is the right thing. Uh, and, and at one point, it actually seems like early on in the film that they're going this film. They might try to do that with uh, Will Scarlet, but... Uh, in the end, it turns out no, he he never meant any of the stuff he said either. It was all, no, he was yeah. Right. He was just a bad guy. He was Two Face. How dare this movie tease a sequel? Just how dare it? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I can. But anyway, moving on. So this movie was a bad adaptation. We can agree on that. What? Um, yes, it's shocking. I know. Let's talk about modern retellings and adaptations and why this one doesn't work. So some examples of modern adaptations and retellings we've got and and your mileage is going to vary about the examples that i've got 
listed here. And again, we, I mentioned 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, my One of my favorite adaptations of all time uh, is Clueless, which we know. Great adaptation. Great adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Uh, then we've got 10 Things I Hate About You, which is uh, Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got She's All That, which mm-hmm. is a... Um, modern adaptation of Pygmalion or My Fair Lady. Uh, And then we've got She's the Man, which stars your fave, uh, Amanda Bynes. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Wait, wait. wait. Why is Amanda Bynes my fave? She was in The Amanda Show, and I remember you loving The Amanda Show when I was in college. Wait, what? When did I ever say I love The Amanda Show? There was one time... Maybe I said it ironically... At one yes, time. yes. Okay. It, this was yes. This is ironic. Don't worry. Okay. Now, there's one time in class you you came into class and you said, "Question for all of you: What's the worst show on television?" And I said, "Jersey Shore," and you said, "Wrong. The worst show is the Amanda Show." And I stand by that. Yes. So, <laughs> and I, I don't know why why you you decided to start class like that. I, I suppose it had something to do with the Amanda Show. <laughs> so one of my favorite ways to run my classes is to open with something that seems completely disconnected and random from everything else. And then to reference yeah. it 45 minutes in, because I love when a stand-up comedy routine starts off with what looks like a failed joke and then ends with the resolution of the joke at the end of the yes. set. So it it was probably that, though there is a chance, a, a, not, a, a, non, uh, a chance that's not nil... Uh, that it was also my kids have been watching the Amanda show and I, it was driving me insane. That's probably what it was. It might've been that, (laughs) but she's the man is an adaptation of 12th night. Um, Oh, which came out during a controversial time. Oh, is an adaptation of Othello. Oh, came out right around the time of Columbine. Oh, did it? It did. Yeah. And it had to be shelved for two years. Minor trivia there. Mm. Um, and then some really famous examples of uh, uh, some more Shakespeare, uh, Boz Lerman's uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet, <laughs> which I've seen multiple times, not for the reason you would think. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you know that... Because you like movies that have got mathematical symbols in the titles? Is that Yes. The, okay. Not only that, but did you know who plays Paris in this movie? I don't. Paul Rudd. Is that right? Yes, oh, wow. Paul Rudd. Yep. And is he Paul good? Rudd, he, well, you know, for the one scene that he's in, he is phenomenal. Ooh. So, yep. My uh, 13, the 13-year-old girl inside of me is still very, very delighted that I ha- Paul Rudd does I have to age. confess, I've never seen all of it. Uh, I've seen part of it, and it's just I'd not gone to the trouble to. And I remember, like, a lot of people holding their nose at the time, but I think in terms of Critical reception among scholars, I think it's aged well. It, yeah. But, I, but I, I, I have no, I haven't seen enough of it to make any kind of judgment. I think it made a, um, well, you know, it made a Shakespeare lover out of me. And I think, you know, it's mm. a, when you, you know, it, it's it's wrong to look down at, at young girls as, you know, being a um, an audience for that kind of stuff. Because, hey, the tween girls of, of the 90s turn mm. out to be the English majors of the 2000s. So... Yeah, there you go. There you have it. It reminds me of a of a Duran Duran line where someone the someone 
confronted one of the members of Duran Duran and said, uh, don't you just make mu- music for 14-year-old girls? And his response was, hey, 14-year-old girls need music too. <laughs> That's so very true. Go, right? Very true. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, more recent ones, uh, the 21, 2011 adaptation of Coriolanus with uh, Ray Fiennes and Gerard Butler, which I really liked. I thought that was a, f- yeah. I haven't seen that one. That one was really good. Gerard Butler is in that, and that's actually, he's good in that. Hmm. He's actually really good at he, Shakespeare. He can be good, yeah. Gerard yeah, Butler can bring it sometimes. He's good at Shakespeare. He should do more of that. Um, and then, of course, both of our faves, King Lear 2018 yes. with Anthony Hopkins yeah, which and Emma Tompkins. Which, after having confessed I haven't seen a lot of these, I, I have to be, this is very qualified, but I think it is my favorite Shakespeare adaptation on film ever. This uh, one is and, really, really good. And this is including all the Kurosawa films, and that's saying something, because those films are yeah. awesome. Uh, like game, uh, like uh, all the all the samurai Kurosawa ones, like uh, uh, Throne of Blood, Ran. Uh, if you've never seen those, uh, and you don't mind three hours plus of samurais being <laughs> Scottish kings, uh, totally check out the Kurosawa uh, the Kurosawa adaptations of Shakespeare. They're really great. Absolutely. But yeah, those the last three that I named are the um, the language of Shakespeare is kept, but the setting is modern day. Right. But uh, yeah, so those are those are just some I, I came up with today, just off the top of my head. Uh, can you think of any that I missed? Well, I can think after all of your uh, after all of your talk oh, about how there isn't a good modern day telling of. Robin Hood. I can think Which, of a great one. I'm already digging in my heels. Yes. I'm afraid of what you're about to say. A t- television series that premiered in 1979 and ran until 1985. The Dukes of Hazard, Possibly the oh. greatest the greatest version of Robin Hood ever on uh, television. This 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 right includes now. the 2006 BBC version. I, if you said right now you got to watch one of, of the two. The Dukes of Hazard. There's a 2006 version. No, 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 no. BBC? There's a, there's a Wait, 2006 what? Robin Hood BBC. Now I would also pay. I would watch a British version would, of the Dukes of Hazard. Also, I would too. But so, so for our younger audience, let me explain this show. By the way, if anyone, if those who know the Dukes of Hazard are right now going like, what the Dukes of Hazard. By the way, this show, this show just this is in the era of Knight Rider and the A Team, so it's early '80s stupid crazy. All right, so just to be clear, if you're thinking, remember how I said I like the first ten minutes of Robin Hood, uh, of the 2018 Robin Hood, when it's I, all I like do. you know, suddenly like arrows are shooting through load bearing pillars on castles and things. This is the Dukes of Hazard level of stupidity, which I enjoyed. The idea of the Dukes of Hazard, uh, it might be hard to find today because there are some there's some problematic imagery in it. Uh, is mm, that there are yeah. the Dukes stars and bars on a car? Mm. Yes, there we go. There's the Duke boys are these uh, two Georgia boys who's who live in a in Hazard County, Georgia. In Hazard County, Ge- Hazard County, Georgia is run by a corrupt county commissioner, Boss Hogg. Uh, and his, is this, did you not know this was his name? I, <laughs> <laughs> I know now the listeners should know it. I, I happen to know that Nina has never seen an episode of the Dukes of Hazard. So. I have not. And his corrupt. I, I was aware that it existed, but I have not seen an episode. Yes. His corrupt sheriff 
Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. And, oh, God. and so the setup for the show is that the their Uncle Jesse, who raises these two cousins, was a moonshiner. And so the whole thing has this kind of pre-NASCAR moonshiners running from revenuers vibe to the whole show. It's all about the car chase. Every show, just like an Elvis movie, is barely a plot just to string along a bunch of songs. Uh, the Dukes of Hazard. every episode was just barely a plot to get from car chase to car chase. And the idea is that Uncle Jesse, they got in trouble because they were running moonshine. And so Uncle Jesse made a deal with the uh, a plea bargain with the federal government. And that deal was that uh, they couldn't or was that he would stop moonshining, which, by the way, is a great if you can just get the I'll stop criming if you don't punish me anymore. <laughs> Like, that's a great plea bargain. He, he has a great lawyer, apparently. He'll stop doing it. But there was some, like, they were basically stuck in Hazard County. They couldn't go anywhere. And the county's super corrupt. Well, part of this, because they're on probation, the Duke boys, and the Duke, so so basically the plot of this is every episode, Boss Hog is doing something corrupt. His corrupt enforcer, Roscoe, is enforcing it and the duke boys have to set things right robin hood style and by the way there's a theme song with waylon jennings at the beginning uh that ends by describing uh them as a two modern day robin hood uh so the theme song explicitly tells you that it's robin hood you've got this the corrupt sheriff everything but the best part which i know you don't know which you're going to love uh is part of the term because they're on probation they can't okay. use firearms. So how do they fight? Okay. They have to fight using bows and arrows. Oh and when the bows and arrows aren't enough, they put dynamite tips on the bows and arrows and blow stuff up. <laughs> oh, and so basically it's about these two country boys riding around, uh, you know, fighting corruption on the edge of the law. Was it 69? Charger engineer Mike looked that up for me before, but uh, uh, in their in their uh, Dodge Charger, uh, while shooting things with explosive tipped arrows. So it was uh, sounds ridiculous. It was utterly ridiculous, but it was weirdly an answer to your question about how could you ever possibly do a a Robin Hood set in the modern era? It's set in, I mean, you know, I mean, now it would be a 40 year old era, uh, but it was set, you know, in a modern era. There's this now they have to play games with the law. For some reason, there are no hot pursuit laws. So whenever they cross the county border, the police can't or, or have to stop. They can't pursue them. And then uh, it reminds me of a, uh, it reminds me of a video game where like the guards, if they're look, you know, if they're looking for you, you're, you're in trouble. But then if you just like manage to escape, then later on they'll see you. They're like, mm. Oh, okay. Well you escaped us. So now you're free of all charges. Uh, it's very much has that vibe to it. It's I see. So, I, you know, I've got questions about the jurisdiction logic. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that probably they didn't have a lawyer. The, the lawyer they had on retainer was not a consultant for the scripts. I would say, I, I would, yeah, I would no. say not, <laughs> but I do want, I want their lawyer. The one who, if you, if the only, if the only thing in your plea bargain is, Hey, look, just don't punish me. And I won't do the crimes anymore. Like that's awesome. Well, all right. So that you mentioned the Dukes of hazard and, and, mm-hmm. Why this? Okay, you really liked this show, I'm guessing. Well, to be clear, it was on the air when I was like 10 years old. So 10-year-old me loved the show. Uh, (laughs) 
I think I would love it today for a completely different reason than 10 year old me loved it. I'd love the craziness of it today. This sort of over the top, a complete disregard for both physics and actual law and reason. All right. Well, let's get into why or what makes a, an adaptation or retelling good then. Mm. And my first point is that much like with everything, when you're writing a, a story, when you're writing a script, anything, um, a good adaptation puts its characters first. When you remember, when you remember the Dukes of Hazard, you're remembering, well, you know, what are you remembering? Well, I'm remembering the main character who is the and car. Is- the car is the main <laughs> character. It also, I believe it might've been on the same night right before yeah. Knight Rider, which also the main yeah. character was the car. It was the an car. era when cars could be protagonists, uh, of, yeah. but it was not a talking car. Oh, we need to reboot the Dukes of Hazard with a talking General Lee. Talking That's what we need. Yes. Why don't you just rebu- reboot the Dukes of Hazard with the Knight Rider car? That'd be a lot more interesting. You know, in retrospect, I cannot believe there was never a crossover episode. They must have been owned by different networks or something because I can it's shocking to me that there was no crossover. Shocking. Yeah, but shocking. but but yeah, I mean, so the characters are fun and if the characters were not fun, it wouldn't have been fun. Right. Yeah. And the the characters in this Robin Hood 2018 remake or retelling adaptation, there's nothing to them. They're, yeah. Even Robin Hood himself, you know, other than the one thing I can say about this Robin Hood is he's a straight up murderer. Yeah. I mean, he's, that's about it. I mean, you can see him. He's literally jumping around murdering people and we're supposed to like him as a protagonist. Yeah, that's true. I, I did not like like, I think we're also supposed to be sympathetic toward Jamie Foxx, who yeah. I thought at the beginning, like, oh, he's going to be awesome in this movie. Not really. No, he like, just kind of sits around. Yeah. Doesn't do anything. And these characters are sleeves. Like, yes. they have no personalities. These are stock Robin Hood story characters. You've got Robin Hood. You've got Marion. Right. You've got Will. You've got little John, or John, as mm-hmm. he's known in this. You've got the Sheriff of Nottingham. They have no personalities. You can literally do whatever you want. You can inflate them with whatever personality you want. And this movie chooses not to do anything with them. Well, and I think when you talk about characters... Like when you consider Robin Hood movies, one that I kind of enjoy is the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie from 19... Ah, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, Prince of Thieves. There we go. Uh, I guess I don't like the movie. What I like is Alan Rickman just, Ah, just no no scene was left unchewed by him. (laughs) And when I went back and looked at clips of, of him, I realized that he was written big. Like the character was yeah. written big. It was written to be a scene chewing character. And he he brings it. Like they had in mind this idea that the character is going to be fun and interesting. Even there where he's a bad guy, I actually care what happens to him. And this movie, like I could not have cared less what happened to any of these people. Right. At all. Like uh, they, they, they didn't matter in the slightest. Right. Um, yeah. Like, And I, I'm comparing that to, say, Cher Horowitz in Clueless. Right. Um, where you you think that this character is just going to be the stereotypical dumb blonde. She's, you know, she's this pretty rich girl who is shallow and superficial and she's probably going to be kind of mean spirited. And it turns out, no, she's actually very likable. She's right. her her motivation is to do good. And in the beginning, her motivation is to do good against or or for the wrong things. She wants to, yeah, she wants to 
uh, matchmake tie with the wrong guy. She wants to bring her her two teachers together. And it, it turns out she's, you know, these are kind of superficial things to do. And Clueless does something to, to show you how much you care about the characters. Clueless does something which yeah. I love when a film can do this, which is they make you care. They make you want something for the character that you shouldn't want. So the entire yeah. movie you spend rooting for her to get romantically involved with her stepbrother. Like that's literally Ex-step like that's brother. Well, okay. Right. But the, <laughs> hey, come like on the now. whole, I've seen this movie enough times. <laughs> uh, yes, I get it. But like, we're not supposed to want that. Right. Uh, especially right. not in a movie like this. Like we're not supposed to want that. And so there are lots of ways they could have written the, the character so that it wouldn't have been problematic but they're like, nope, we're going to do this and we're going to make you care yeah. about the characters despite this. And and want right. the thing which you know is maybe a little questionable to want. But but yeah, you, you that's that's a well-written character. Yes, exactly. And even right. though she is comic booky in her cluelessness, right? She's yeah. she's over the top in her cluelessness and her friend Cher is actually that whole crew she runs with is. But you care about them and you care what happens to them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's a that's a good adaptation. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And and another important element of a good adaptation, I think, is theme. Like you got to figure out what theme mm-hmm. since you're adapting it, even if you're trying to do a quote unquote faithful adaptation, you don't change the setting, you don't change the characters, you try to do as close as possible. You have to ask yourself, well, what was that theme? Uh, because you are, you have to make trade-offs when you're moving from one medium to another or mm-hmm. you're take or you're re- even when you're retelling a story in the same medium, you have to make trade-offs. And so you have right. to decide what that theme is going to be. And so probably the thing that we spent griping the most about this movie was really the themes didn't make, they didn't match up. They didn't make sense, yeah. you know, and that's right. what makes it good. So, so clueless, the title I think tells you this, which is there's this weird, she falls into the social class with class, which you would think, well, they are very privileged, but they are dismissed as clueless and mm-hmm. you're and you're a fool to dismiss her uh, yeah. is kind of the the thematic idea i mm, i would exactly. i would argue yeah yeah no i, I don't disagree and, and going back to what you're saying about themes is that i i believe that a good adaptation will decide early on in the movie or in the text itself if it's if it's going to take the audience out of its comfort zone or if it's going to keep it there yeah in particular uh, a good adaptation is not is going to let the audience decide um, if, if they want to, uh, see original text, uh, on a modern screen or modern language on a modern story. Um, and it's not going to treat the audience like they're stupid. Yeah. I, and I, I think this movie, because it doesn't know what it wants to do, it doesn't know if it wants to be a modern Robin Hood or mm-hmm. if it wants to be an original or like classic right. modern or classic Robin Hood. Um, I think that's where it fails. It wants to have its cake and eat it too. The quickest way to make me hate a medieval adaptation above everything else, the one sin you can never do is market it or worse, have a character say at the beginning that this is the true story. This is the historically accurate version. This is what happened. And then proceed to have a bunch of things which could not possibly be so. Right. Yeah. Uh, I am fine with, I'm fine with taking things out of the setting. I'm like I said, I was fine with the parts that were just utter craziness in terms of technology and whatever. Like that signaled to me that's this kind of movie. 
I'm cool with that. You know, mm-hmm. show us the themes that, that we, that we want. As you said, don't treat us like we're stupid. Don't say this is, yeah. this is history and then show us something that's not. And I don't mean like, like, so let's take Braveheart, for example, where there's this question about whether a, you know, about the question about could this person have really been there? Was this person a child at the time? Blah, blah, blah. That I'm not talking about that small detail. I'm talking yeah. about the kind of big, there's no way that any of this happened. There's no way this is possible. Suddenly there's technologies that didn't exist. There's It's enough of a uh, distraction to take you out of the immersion of the story. Right, right. So yeah. I, I'm okay with a little, with a little playing around with history to make the story work. And I'm also okay with like completely throwing historical fact in the trash. If that's what you're going to, you know, if you're going to do something different, but yeah, don't, don't treat me like I'm an idiot. Right. And, you know, we talked about the visuals. We talked about the language. We talked about the costuming. I think even the cinematography seemed to, it was way too modern feeling because the, you know, the whole matrixy, uh, speedy up, slowy down. Yeah. Again, bullet time camera work is so dated by now. Yes. Um, and I, I hate that because it's like the scene in where he's trying to dodge the arrows in the the bank, wherever yeah. he is. That you know stuff like that where they're really the the cinematography work is it belongs in an action movie that isn't a medieval in a medieval setting. Yeah. I feel like the camera work should be a little bit more, uh, I really don't even know the, the word for, for this. I feel like the camera work should be a little bit less uh, intense. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I mean, yeah. I, I actually think it would be, I actually think you could, how do I say this? The problem is that it's dated and it's not dated in the Middle Ages. You know what I mean? Right. Like it is dated for, and it's not even like we're going to do like Errol Flynn style, like dated like that. No, it's dated in the sense of, Ten years ago, this was still right. hot. Now we just have no new way to show action, and that, yeah. I think that got at a thing, which was like Engineer Mike and I were talking about how they couldn't decide how strong arrows were. Like at some yeah. point, like an arrow shot at you, you could bat away with a part of a broken armchair, a chair, chair <laughs> arm. Uh, yes, and then and other times you're literally chip. They're, they're the arrows are chipping away at huge hunks of uh, load-bearing pillars on the bottom of a dungeon. Or worse, arrows are killing people through their flak armor. Yes. Or they're attacking you without it, or they're they're piercing you without armor, and you're still getting up and walking them off. Right. Yes, so ha- half the time my arrow can barely hurt you. Uh, yeah. The other half the time, an arrow casually tossed your way will blow up six guys. Yeah, exactly. They also had, by the way, it wasn't just arrows. Molotov cocktails, I noticed, were the same thing. Where yeah. there's a Molotov cocktail that's tossed and it lights a fire that is <laughs> unbelievably huge. And then another a character drops the exact same kind of Molotov cocktail at his own feet. <laughs> and he gets he does get his face burned up. I don't know why his feet didn't get burned up, but he does get his face burned. But it was like from what we saw before, not only should you have died, but everyone yeah. within like about 50 feet of you should have immediately been annihilated as if exactly. I dropped a daisy cutter bomb in the middle of this area. Yeah. Uh, so they, they could okay. decide what they wanted to do with that. This is a perfect segue into my third and final point about bad adaptations. And a good adaptation will establish the universe rules 
mm-hmm. within or, or the rules within yes. its own universe, and it'll break them in creative ways. Right. Okay. So something like that where, okay, you were talking about the Molotov cocktail. Okay. The Molotov cocktail in one scene, it'll blow up spectacularly. And then in another scene, it'll just fall at someone's feet and just burn their face. Okay. Yes. People in their face, not their feet, their face, their face, right. not their feet. Okay. So a problem I had with this is one. Uh, okay. So John's hand. Little John, I, I, you know, I keep wanting to say Little John because yeah. the, he's always been Little John in all of the other Robin Hood stories. Okay, so John's hand, he's missing a hand. Yeah. D- is that ever important in this story? No. The only thing I, th- I think it establishes the plot point of this is why he's not helping him fight. Though later on, when they're, I, he's the driver in the cart chase, right? And so yeah. I kept thinking like, well, how is he controlling those horses? Is he holding... If he's able to control the horses with the one hand, why is he not involved in all the other action? But uh, you notice that he's also the guy that attacks Robin in the not Fallujah scene. Right. Not having a hand doesn't make him a bad fighter. No, that's right. That's so, right. It yeah, would mean it, you can't shoot an arrow. Yeah. Uh, but, but he's really good at pardon, you know, pardon the term hand to hand combat. and so and also he's yeah engineer mike has just has just said uh he oh he had both hands behind his back then okay so he but i mean he's not it's not a handicap again pardon the pun Mm -hmm. it doesn't really come into play he's just it's just there it's just a thing he's missing a hand and then the uh, the scene where he's he's in jail Mm -hmm. all right and then he the um Andrew Mike is pointing out that he has two hands at the beginning of the movie. Yes, but he's able to fight in other ways too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. He has two hands at the beginning of the movie and then he loses one and then he, um, oh, he loses the, the one with the, okay, that's what happens. All right. So, but that doesn't restrict him from doing anything else in in the movie. He's still, it's, it's, it's kind of a non-issue. Yeah. I, I think the, I think he is so in a movie that is trying to be, to use an overused term, which, uh, you know, Robin woke as woke as it can possibly be. They have the trope of the magical black man who helps the yes. white man do what he needs to do. Yeah. Which is, yeah. which and is aside from being very played out, they need to come up with an excuse for why they do that. And like, well, I guess he lost his hand. Like that's why he couldn't do it. So yeah. I, I, I wonder yeah. if that's maybe the reason is to get, come up with some uh. plot reason that they're using this, this trope. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. I that's my guess. That that's yeah. how he can be the magical black man who helps the 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 young white guy achieve his dreams. So Oh, but then did you notice when he is in jail, instead of using his hand to break the bull, he uses his head? Yes. And I'm like, you got a steel hand there and instead you just smash it with your head. That's just dumb. But anyway. You don't know. He might have a steel head. That's possible. <sighs> Actually in the world of this movie blade. that is possible. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And then one other point. there. Okay, so there's this love triangle among uh, Robin, Marion, and Will. Yes. But it doesn't make any sense because, one, Marion assumes that Will is dead. No, that Robin's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that Robin is dead. Yeah. All right. But she assumes that, okay, so she moves on with her life. 
Right. Okay, two years goes on, she moves on, and then uh, Robin comes back and he's going to surprise her, like, surprise, I'm actually not dead. And then she sees her with Will, he decides to not surprise her, and he runs into John and then he says, or, or, or John says, oh, I've seen your woman, she's beautiful. And then he says, no, she's not mine, or, or something like that. So it's not really a love triangle. No, and, and this is one of the, you know, this is one of the things that I thought was very unlikable about the character. This yeah. could have very well been a, a Casablanca situation. Yeah. Where in Casablanca, to spoil a, a movie which is now <laughs> 70 years old. 70 I don't know years old. Right? Something really old. You know, Rick has to, or, you know, she's trying to make this decision. And Rick is not making it easy for her. But Rick understands... Or, or sorry, and uh, sorry, Laszlo understands that they thought he was dead in a concentration camp, right? Yeah. And so, in this case, at no point does Robin Hood be like, at no point is he at all understanding of like, well, I guess you did kind of think I was dead. So, yeah. no, he's just a whiny, pouty baby about the whole thing. Right. Instead of being tortured, he's torturing. And yeah. so, I just, I didn't, it made me really not like him. And at some point, I thought, I mean, the movie was so, being so weird about so many things, I thought, well, maybe Robin Hood's not going to be a good guy. I don't know. Uh, but nope, we're still supposed to like him, even while he is so unlikable. Right. Uh, the, this sense of that she was supposed to stay true. to. I, I, she even says to him, what did you think? Like, I was told you were dead. And his answer is, I don't even think he had an answer to that. I don't remember one. No, <sighs> Again, the, the expectation that she's just what's supposed to wear black and, and never move on. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the advantage or the expectation for women in in those days were not much. Right. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Again, yeah, I mean, it, she's either, a right, modern it, retelling. It might have been interesting. Now, here would have been something interesting. They could yeah. have had she's mourning him. So what is she? But she can't ever be with another guy. So what does she do? She joins the church. And so it might have been interesting to have Maid Marian is now in a convent or right or something. And now that's the that's where she's being torn, which really might have worked in this case, given that it's a kind of anti clerical movie. But they didn't they didn't go that route. And so instead, he's just being a big baby. Like, I understand I would be unhappy if my girlfriend was with some other guy. But the other guy she's with. It turns out he's a bad guy. But A, she has no way of knowing that. And B, yeah. the guy he's depicting himself as is as a guy who's supposed to be a champion of the little people, which is exactly who Robin Hood wants to be. So it's not like she's rejecting him by going for someone who's nothing like him. She's rejecting him for someone who's for going for someone who's a lot or who appears to be a lot like him. Who's doing exactly what he's doing, too, just at a different level. Right. He's go yeah, he's ingratiating himself to the sheriff of Nottingham, so is Will. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Robin Hood just happens or Robin of Loxley just so happens to have money. I mean he's stealing the money that he's giving to the Sheriff right. of Nottingham, but anyway. Wrapping this up, what did you like about this movie? I liked the less historical parts. I loved uh <laughs> I I loved like when the arrows were blowing stuff up, when they're calling yeah. airstrikes, yeah, when yeah. they were like, you know what? Nottingham is Nottingham is going to have a skyscraper in the middle of it. Uh, like I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah. I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Yep. You know, committed. 
yes, I, I was on board with all that. I loved the the over the top costuming. I love the over the top sets. Those are the things I really liked about it. I would I would in fact if someone had shown me just a bunch of still images from this and said like, hey, do you want to go see these still images? I'd have been like, yeah, I'm down for that. That would be something cool. Yeah, uh, but it was not. <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that. I I did. I I liked the not Fallujah scene. I thought for all for what it was worth, I thought it was hilarious. Again, if I if this movie were more serious than it was, I mm-hmm. I would have take I would have started taking offense at that scene and thought no 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 I I don't like what this movie is trying to do. Yeah. But because this movie is so dumb and and fun, I I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, it's okay. And I think one thing you and I disagree about is F. Murray Abraham. Like, you thought he was really good in this. <laughs> and also, uh, actually, him ben and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, right? And I, yeah. I hated them both in this. And oh. both actors whom I love. And I yeah. and I wanted to see – I want to see them go full Rickman and just chew up the scenery in this. But, nope, see, they're I, serious. See, I – yeah, I, I, I love Ben Mendelsohn. I think he's great in just about everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I, I thought that boiled beef speech was was just phenomenal. It belonged in a different movie. I'll give you that. Yeah. But that was a scene. That was a scene that really brought the movie to a chilling halt. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this this guy is taking this this role very seriously. Yeah, actually, that was one of these moments where I thought that, well, the whole idea. There, there's a sense in which he says, there's a little speech he gives where he's like, basically, I was abused. I was yes. poor and abused. And I was going to get revenge on all the people who did that to me, which are yeah. the lords. So it, the movie could have very well made the point. It could have been very much a, we're not so different, you and I, Robin Hood, because you are exactly yeah. me. Like, this is exactly what's or close to it, right? Uh, he's a little more like right. Will Scarlet. Uh, this idea that... that he wanted justice. It, well, yeah, and then the, at the end, like, tw- yeah, at the very end, um, that comes back around when Robin Hood, uh, he makes a really nasty comment about uh, what's it going to be, uh, something else or the broomstick. He calls back yeah. to that scene. Yes. And I thought, well, that's a kind of a, an a-holy right. thing for you to say. He told you I he mean, was this- an abused child, so now you're going to be the same kind of lord who abused him as a child. Right. And, and like, wow, that, you know, I don't like you, Robin Hood. You're supposed to be the likable protagonist. Like, what yeah. What are you doing? Again, this this Robin Hood is not cool. No. Uh, yeah. Ben Men, Ben Middleson and uh, F. Murray Abraham. I, I did like both of them. F. Murray Abraham, he's only in it for like one scene, though. Yeah. I mean, and when he's revealed as the big bad, I have to admit, I get really excited. I was like, all right, this movie's going to come back. And unlike you, I thought like... <laughs> Uh, I I wasn't, I was just <laughs> underwhelmed. I was just like, oh, I guess it's not going to get better. <laughs> oh, but let's get into some recommendations. All right. Do you want to start? I'll start. Okay. So I will recommend another Robin Hood favorite of mine. And this comes from the always spectac- spectacular Mel Brooks. And that is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yay. Um, Great movie. Yes. Great movie from uh, 1991, 1992. I should have looked up the the year uh, before I... It's got references to the Costner Prince of Thieves, so it must so have been shortly 92, thereafter. Yeah, yeah, I think because, I think, yeah, the Costner one came out in 91. 
But anyway, so I, I do want to recommend Robin Hood Men in Tights, but before you watch that, please watch Mel Brooks, The Producers, and The Ethics of Satire by the one and only Lindsay Ellis. She is my favorite YouTube reviewer and YouTube uh, video essayist. Uh, where she discusses Mel Brooks and satire, her thesis on Mel Brooks and why why satire is kind of a um, touchy subject and why it works, why it doesn't work, why Mel Brooks has been so successful, and why you know sometimes it doesn't hit all the time. And uh, this this mostly this video mostly focuses on the producers, and some of it focuses also on uh, Blazing Saddles which is another perennial favorite. But it does mention Men in Tights, and it is worth looking at and watching before you go into any of Mel Brooks's films because the humor in Men in Tights is dated. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I say that not just because, you know, the, the jokes are, shall we say, uh, problematic today, mm -hmm. but also dated in that you're not going to get some of the jokes if yeah. you don't... If you didn't, if you didn't understand the Jamie Foxx show joke that I made early on, <laughs> there is literally a scene in a, a visual joke in Men in Tights where they're getting their tights out of plastic eggs. Oh, uh, yes. And <laughs> I thought about that when I recommended this video. I was like, I don't know if our younger listeners are going to understand that reference. So I, I wanted to mention that uh, this is a um, older movie and some of the references may be lost. Yes. On on some viewers. So yes, please watch Robin Hood Men in Tights. Great movie by Mel Brooks. But also watch Mel Brooks and the Producers and The Ethics of Satire by Lindsay Ellis. So I'm often asked the question, I guess one of the most common questions I have is, was King Arthur a real person? But one of the other ones is like, hey, what's a good Robin Hood version to, of, of book? And here's the problem. The problem is that there isn't like a single canonical Robin Hood. And so there are books that collect them, but the ones that are really good are either out of print or super expensive. Uh, so like Teams, which is the early, it's a scholarly source that does editions of things. Anyway, there, there are some really good ones, but they're all out of print or super expensive or hard to find. So I really wanted to bring a recommendation of, a book and I couldn't. So instead I'm going to recommend the film that gave so many, uh, the, the, the pre anime film <laughs> of, uh, I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make Please 1973 don't. Disney's Robin hood where Robin hood yes. is a Fox and the movie itself. I don't know. The movie itself is that great. In fact, it's not, but no. the, the songs and the soundtrack are really interesting and bizarre and there's like a whistle stop song. And then there's a song that's like this New Orleans jazz song. And there's all sorts of crazy stuff. Like I would, you're, you're, the, the movie itself is going to be typical early 70s Disney. Not awesome. But the soundtrack is really cool. And when it's not cool, it's just weird and interesting. It's one of the Disney movies that has the recycled cells. Like the, yes. the dancing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Not, that, not that great animation, but good music. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you're my age or your age, it's your first taste of Robin Hood or your introductory Robin Hood movie. Yes. So do we have anything else? Uh, well, if you have any questions or recommendations, be sure to email us at podcast at profawesome.com. That is podcast spelled the normal way at prof awesome, P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com. 
be sure to subscribe to Pop Medieval. Two words, wherever good podcasts are kept. That includes Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or visit our full podcast feed at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. All right. Well, until next time, West Through Hall, Nina. West Through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerd Given studios. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinray. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening. And also, where is he the only person that lives in Loxley Manor? Because he's, in the very beginning, he's he goes into his stable, and I think he's talking to someone off screen. Yeah. But it's apparent that he, he's the one spinning around with Marion, and, and no one else is, he has no attendants, no staff. Yeah. And uh, then he gets back, and his house is abandoned because it's been stripped. Right. It, you know, it's been taxed to death. But it's there's never been any indication that anyone else has lived there except for Robin. No. You know, the... Rich Toff that lives there, whatever they were calling him. Mm-hmm.